Mirokov. Hey, behave. Hello, everybody. Live on YouTube, as always. Great to be hanging on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, give this video a like. If you are, that's a taunting penalty, John. John was just dancing. You just did the uh, Tony Corrente butt slap. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, give the video a like. Subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the podcast, it's great to have you there as well. You can check out the YouTube in the description of the audio pod. And uh, as always, we encourage you to get in the mailbag. We really uh, are appreciative when you take the time to do that. You go to iTunes, leave us a review, five stars in that review. Tell us your favorite bar just for fun and uh, leave us a question. And that's how you get in the Haberman and Middlecoff mailbag. Mm, yep. <clears throat> I think you covered it. All right. Uh, got a lot to get to today. Also this week, John, we'll have to figure some things out in terms of the Niners play Monday Night Football uh, we'll probably still do the Sunday podcast because Sunday's good too. I mean, Sunday's Raiders Chiefs Sunday night. I don't, I don't know how we're gonna maybe do something around that. I don't know. We'll have to. There's still discussions going on between the uh, powers that be at uh, Ham Inc. And um, I you forgot. Know, you're right. You're right. Sunday nights. Those two teams. Yeah. So we could have a we content could, we, rich. Yeah, we go like we we go. You know, maybe an hour after the game. That'd be a podcast live, and then do another thing after the game on Monday Night Football. You say do like, a podcast live after Sunday Night Football, and then yeah, do one after Monday Night Football. I yeah. like that idea. You know, nothing too crazy, but we like riding that storm of a lot of people locked in. You know, yeah, I think it's a good idea. That's it. You know, for me, and I, I, I think I can speak for you too. That's about as good of a back to back. Listen, I love a good like Brady versus Belichick, but I'm a sucker for you know these certain teams and fucking Raiders, Chiefs, Niners, Rams. If you told me Niners Seattle, if, if Russ was playing, that'd be right up there too. But I, I'd say that would be my choice. You you could probably insert Herbert in there as well. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for Justin. But the Chiefs, you know, they just got a longer resume. Did you see the Herbert and the Chargers are finding that, you know, the NFL's hard. Yeah. And he's good. Like, I, I watching him, it's not like I'm concerned necessarily about him. But you just, the Chargers, it's, you're not just kicking everyone's ass every week like it looked like they might do earlier in the season. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's why careers are long, John. Careers are not one year. That applies to Kyle Shanahan. That applies to, um, you know, any anybody you want to. That's why when you put together a career of really good football, of really good anything, uh, consistency is one of the hardest things to realize, and consistent greatness is rare. I, and with the with the Niners, you know, their current record at zero and eight. Uh, well, if that's what it feels like, there, there is just way more on the line in the Sunday night game, right? For these two teams, the division, the playoffs, it's hard for me. I know statistically the Niners are quote unquote still alive, but I, I, I can't look at them like that right now. They, they have to rattle off a couple wins for me to utter those words again. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you had asked me this question the other day, I'd say that the, the Chiefs are more desperate than the Raiders given that the Raiders just lost and they're in kind of this spot of, all right, guys, you, you had the win, you bounced back, uh, you, you, you bounced back from the rugs thing. You won the game. I thought they were going to win that game. I thought they were in trouble against the giants. They lost fine. But now what are you going to settle into being? So there's some, I I would push back a little bit. If the Raiders had beat the giants and were kind of cruising that they would have been what six and two. I would I would have agreed with you, but that losing that game, all of a sudden the Chiefs beat you at home. 
then are, are we going, God, it might be a little more difficult just to sub- secure a wild card spot. No, no, us. no. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I was saying, if you had asked me a week ago, I oh. would say it's all on the Chiefs. But now, you just the Raiders got to settle back into. Where, where is that? Uh, yeah, the game's in Vegas. I, I, I think one takeaway I had watching that, once we jumped off the podcast, watching that second half, that L.A. stadium pops on television. It looks fucking sweet. Like that... Cronkies Palace. I know they're suing him in St. Louis for, you know, as he said, more than some of the teams are worth. Uh, I don't think he could point at Mark Davis anymore. Maybe he's pointing at Mike Brown and I don't the Jags owner, maybe. But that that stadium is really cool, and it looks fantastic at night when you can just tell it's dark and the but the lights are bright inside. It looks it does look it does look sweet. it looks yeah. cool. Yeah. Did you know? Uh, did you know Paris Hilton is still star? Well, around. Al read the uh, promo for her uh, her reality show. So, uh, what's what's her show? Well, she has a reality show coming up, and they forced Al to read it. So, I mean, but, I mean, who knows? Al might be friends with a family, so it's not like people are like, "God, he forced him to read that." Like, yeah, if I hit him in the Hilton's probably go way back. Yeah, probably. I mean, unless Al's a Marriott guy, but I'm sure. Yeah, I'd imagine Al has to stay out of Marriott or Hilton in 25 years. But uh, which one of them owns the Four Seasons? <laughs> I, I does it feel like the four seasons are still independent? Yeah, I probably neither. neither. Isn't one of those things in Al's contract where he gets to fly private to the games? That's what like remember Dilfer wanted ESPN to let him fly private to Monday night football to do this. Is that Al's contract? I mean, a, lo- a lot of these people fly. Pri- I mean, Tro- Troy's not on Southwest. Aaron mm-hmm. Andrews is not on Southwest. Jim Nance. Nance is most definitely not on Southwest or whatever flies out of the uh, Monterey Airport. Collinsworth. Collinsworth. Good question. Does PFF have a, have a plane? Could write it off. I know. I know Al is Al flies private. I would imagine if Collinsworth, well, you can't let Al do it and not me, right? We're both. You're paying him ten million dollars. You might as well fucking fly him on wheels up. Yeah, I or he flies himself. Like it's one of those where yeah. you're making enough. You if when they say we're not going to cover it, you go all right, fine. Well, it's one of those, depending on how he gets paid, right? With a 1099, it might be cheaper to fly himself, tax write off. You know, you, you start working the accountant in. Uh, John, this podcast is sponsored by our great friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka, the number one vodka in America. It is the good stuff. Share it with your friends and share it with us when you are enjoying yourself at Tito's and soda, which I saw Milkoff order the other day while we were sitting at um, Rooftop. Right, that's the pl- name of the place of Walnut Creek. With our guy Devin, there were a few Tito's and sodas. There was a John Daly. Uh, what do you think down. about rooftop? I loved it. That whole area is sweet. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Rooftop is a was awesome. Yeah, it's 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 the cream of the cream around here. That's just that little stretch. Yeah, go to rooftop and order a. Uh, we drove down John Daly Boulevard the other day. As somebody told me, different John Daly. Yeah. Uh, Daly City, John Daly, not John Daly the drink. Famous oh, drinker, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the on the way to Olympic, did we mention that we? Anyway, Tito's, John. I'll, I'll let you. I thought talk. about wearing the Olympic pullover. Yeah, the the rooftop. I highly recommend going to rooftop. Get a Tito's soda if you if you can't get laid. Taking a date there, taking your wife there. As Doug Dustmeyer once said, as, after we beat UCLA and we were getting off the bus, you know, getting back to Fresno. If you can't get laid after that win, you might just shut it down. You know, so Tito's and soda, <laughs> Tito's and cranberry. Doug, now the uh, quarterback coach for Dak Prescott. They're doing well with the Cowboys. So yeah, tweet, tweet at us, link us on Instagram. You guys know that we love it. And I know that you guys love it because you're always drinking it. And so are we. So uh, number one vodka in America.
Yeah, six times distilled in copper pots, not columns. It's more labor-intensive, yes, but it's better. It's the good stuff, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. As Daniel said, I don't know what Tito's is paying you guys, but they got their money's worth out of me. I promise you that. Uh, CSL in the casino says, I see Tito's freaking everywhere now. Once you see it, you can't. You realize that it's a powerhouse, you know, and that you do see it everywhere. Uh, speaking of Tito's, I mean, you could roll over to Puesto if you wanted. And uh, they're known for their margaritas, but you could roll some Tito's in there. John Puesto, this is also the good stuff. Puesto Mexican Artisan Kitchen and Bar, two locations in Northern California, plus Levi Stadium. They have two locations in the stadium, plus throughout Southern California. This is the good stuff. Actually, we're recording this on a Tuesday. It's a Taco Tuesday, John. It's a yep. Tito's Tuesday, and it's a Taco Tuesday. Yep. Every Tuesday, 3 o'clock and on, tacos are half off. Half off. You can't beat that deal. I love a good Taco Tuesday. Love a good Tito's Tuesday. Love a good margarita. Love a good filet mignon taco. Honestly, I'd never heard of a filet mignon taco till we went to Puesto and I had one and the thing melted in your mouth. Their guacamole is incredible. They're in Concord, right down the street from uh, where, where I am and not that far away from you. There's in Santa Clara, right down. If you're ever down there doing some big meetings for Silicon Valley, making some big deals with old Jed talking Kyle Shanahan, there's one right by the stadium. There's several in Southern California. And obviously, if you're going to the game on Monday night, the Los Angeles Rams, who formerly of St. Louis, and St. Louis is still not happy that they're not there and they're suing the shit out of the Rams. But sections 110 and 129 is where you can find a little 110, kiosk. I guess it's not Sorry, a kiosk, but a little, uh, what's that thing called? A little stand? Well, a little yeah. Puesto stand? Yep. 110, 129. Quesabiria, as uh, Bashan tweeted at me, the recommendation nails, crispy melted cheese, braised short rib. It's my go-to at Puesto, and it uh, it's one of the best, but they've got so much other good stuff. Alex, Eric Adler, hardcore Niner fans. Uh, I would imagine they are uh, eating a lot of chips these days. Drowning their yeah. sorrows in chips. That's what I'd be doing. And <laughs> over 500 tequilas and spirits, many of which you can't find anywhere else. Uh, not just the Taco Tuesday, John, but also the happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5. Great deals uh, with that as well, including the $9 Puesto Perfect Margarita, which we had when we went to Puesto and enjoyed. Speaking of kiosks, uh, the CVS locally in uh, right in Concord, where I go sometimes right next to a Safeway if I have to pick something up has now all these self-checkout little kiosks. Yeah. And uh, it's like they're driving the consumer there, and it was backed up the other day, and people were freaking out. You know, a couple like, place the item, and the lady's like, what do I do? And there's like three people, and even I got there, and I was kind of flustered. The attendant looks at her. It could tell, like, I think her superior, and like, will I get fired if I hit someone? So everyone's just so angry, you know. It's just, you know, the computers, in theory, everything should work, work smoother. But, you know, if you ever get to those self-checkout lines, sometimes it can be chaos. Absolutely. When it's like, place the item in the bagging area. It's like, it's in the bagging area. <laughs> I know. Place Holy the item shit. in the bagging area. It's in the bagging area. That's the one that always gets me. It's like, I'm just holding an avocado. I don't need to. Okay, it's it's in the bagging area now. I know. Or it's like, I can't find what the number is for the bananas. Oh, What's well, the that's... number for the bananas? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, you know, they say computers should make everything smoother, but that's, you go to a, you go to a Safeway, you go to one of these places, I'd say otherwise. I'm big, I'm big on the uh, not self-checkout. I'm um, same. 
unless I'm getting like a six pack of Gatorade, you know. That's but but the problem is with the worker shortage. You know, you go to the Safeway at the prime time. There might be one open lane. They might be backed up all the way down an aisle. You're like, what am I supposed to do? I I have three items here, but you see the self checkout. It's like looking at an enemy. You're like, I do not want to go over there. Place the item in the bagging area. If I hear that one more time, I would. <laughs> all right, John. Have you noticed? I've noticed in the air out there uh, on the internet that people have started asking for the lock of the week. Like, I'll get tweets on Friday night and Saturday going, I missed the pod. What was the lock of the week? We're hot. We are on Friday. We've hit seven locks in a row, not to mention a four-team parlay that we've also hit. So this pot started with $300. It's now up to, what, 3000 Yeah, 38000 $3,800. So last week, we actually went in heavy. We were doing $300 per lock. We went up to $500 on the lock last week, per your encouragement. That was Chargers minus one at Philly. A little tighter than we'd like. We had to sweat. (laughs) But in the end, John, what was supposed to happen, happened. For a split second, Jalen Hurts hit Devontae Smith. I look up at the red zone. He has a cool touchdown. I'm like, I know these analytic people with Philly. Are they going to go for two and we're going to lose this game? Right. Worst case scenario, they tie, they go into overtime, and it's just a push. That would have sucked. But, you know, Brandon Staley, when you're gambling, I, I am I, I think the numbers guys take way too much credit for like we're the only reason us nerds that all these coaches go for it. And I've been saying for my entire life, from every plumber to Goldman Sachs football fan has been screaming at the TV in the eighties yes. and the nineties for their coach to go for it. But when you have money on a team, did you notice on that final drive, they kept getting like third and fourth and one, and it's like they are just slamming up the gut with their – LT ain't in their backfield. It's like Eckler, and I'm like, if they get stuffed and the Eagles win this game, I'm going to lose it. It's, it's a little uncomfortable when you have a coach that goes for it all the time when you have a lot of money on a team. I remember watching – calling high school football games in, in the Central Valley and in Fresno, uh, you know, a decade plus ago, and there was a coach at Clovis East High School named Tim Murphy. And Tim Murphy went for it on every fourth down. Triple like, option, right? I think he punted twice in a given year. Like, didn't never they, didn't, didn't they run like the wing tee morphed with De La Salle option? Yeah, offense. they never threw the football. And it was just like, if we run the ball four times we're with this offense, down. we're going to get a first down. Um, you know, occasionally, on like uh, if something crazy happened and Fumble. it was fourth and 10 at their own 12, they'd punt. But for the most part, they weren't never in that position. And I just remember watching that going, this is crazy because it affects the fundamental fibers of a defensive player's being, which is get a stop, get a stop, get a stop, run off the field. We're good. water. Yeah. There's 25% more plays when a team goes for it on fourth down. And it just affects the way it just it's. It's hard to get used to when you watch it. That second down is actually halfway through the, the possession, not two-thirds of the way through the possession. Brandon Staley goes for it a lot, man. In the red zone, fourth and one all over the field. You know, he goes for two. It's just – it's it's one thing if they're killing them and you're in kind of cruise control. It's another thing in these tight games. You're gambling and you, you, have, a, you, don't, you have a minus one spread. Like, it's like, Jesus, Brandon, let's uh, figure this shit out here, buddy. All right, so what are we, we thinking did. here? What are we thinking here, John? Th- there was a game that jumped right out to me. I, I, I watched yesterday 
uh, the condensed version on Game Pass of the Patriot Sam Darnold game. The number one thing that stands out to me about the Hoodies team is not Mac Jones. I mean, Mac, Mac Jones is throwing for 120 yards a game. He's dinking and dunking. They're, they have an identity. Their defense is awesome. I mean, J.C. Jackson, I saw a quote who said he had strep throat really bad early in the week. He's like, I thought I was going to die. That was his quote. I've never had strep throat, but I, I can't imagine it's fun. Have you ever had it? I don't know. It's possible. Not yes. medically. Uh... So he had a pick six. He had two picks. That kid they drafted from Alabama, Baysmore, I think, the defensive tackle, Saban gave him a bunch of praise after the game. Like, he's kicking ass. Judon, their defense guy, looks awesome. He fucks with quarterbacks, younger guys. I just like Belichick versus Baker. And then today, I look down at my phone and see that Chubb tested positive, you know, so but he's vaccinated, so he he's not, to me, a lock to he be out. Back. He could come back. We saw some of his highlights last week. Holy moly, that guy's good. But the Patriots can really run the ball. Their special team's always good. Matt Slater, you just look down on special teams, he makes every tackle, 18. <laughs> and I, I just like the Patriots, like their mojo right now. Uh, so it's one and a half. The question is... Do and we, it's in New England. That's the other thing. Do you jump on it now in case those guys are ruled out and the number gets bigger? Uh, well, what, if any, what if Baker were to be a line... like? Baker is test positive minimum. He's going to be out a couple days. That that line would get yanked immediately at minimum, right? Yeah. I mean, last week we jumped on the Chargers minus one, and within 24 hours there was a report that Justin Herbert's hand was hurting. Now, it turned out to be fine. It looked like he was throwing but, the ball pretty good. Yeah, but I'm just saying there are risks on a Tuesday when, when you are talking about like teams that have a COVID issue. Did you see the Mac Jones controversy? I did see the Mac Jones controversy. Yeah. Did you see oh, his statement? I did not see his statement. What did he say? Very believable, actually. Because you're like, you know, he he had the ball. shady. He's like, I got rocked. I had no clue what was going on. I assumed that he had the football, so I was just trying to take him down. I wasn't trying to be like an alligator. And when, you know, when they grip and they roll, he's like, I wasn't trying to break his ankle. I thought the guy had the ball. I'm like, he did get rocked. I was like, I, you know, I kind of believe Mac Jones. Yeah. Not, not a bad. I didn't see it. Did did he did he say it or did he was that in print? Uh, I think he's I, yeah. I didn't see him say it. I just saw the print. I think he said it maybe Monday. Maybe he released a statement. I don't know because he was getting crushed. Uh, I'd like to see him say it and then get a feel for him. But that seems believable. What about just a couple other things that we could debate here? How about Vikings plus two and a half at the Chargers? Uh, Vikings playing a lot of tight games. They're like the better version of the Niners. Their record stinks, but you watch them, you go, well, they're playing better, right? Yeah, yeah. But do you trust betting on the Vikings? That'd be my own thing. I mean, I... Uh, three and a half? I think I'd be all over that game. Two and a half? Brandon Staley, I, I had to watch, you know, he, he gave the game ball to the kicker, so they're feeling better about their kicker. Uh, But yeah, yeah I mean... Don't hate okay, it. That's a consideration. Titans minus three against the Saints. Is that at home? Is that too reactionary? Titans there? Yeah, I mean, the the Titans feels like are just riding high. Saints, little desperation. Rough loss to the, uh, the old Falcons. I just don't feel great about that game either way. How about Bills minus 13 against the Jets? That was the other game that I saw 
and then I went back and just looked at the Bills' schedule. Because I think we bet on them early on. They have had some blowouts. They beat the Texans 40 to nothing. They beat the Dolphins, I think, like 35 to 3. They beat the Chiefs by 18 points. But the last three weeks, guy, we bet on them two weeks ago and got kind of lucky in that parlay, remember? They have yeah. not been playing well. And then the Jags beat them. Tua turned it over late. So, yeah, we, I mean, we got bailed out. I, I don't, I just are. Are they a little off right now, or do we? I don't know. I don't have a great feel for them because this could be. If we look up and they beat the Jets thirty to nothing, I'm not going to be surprised. But I also can't be like if it's a seven point game in the fourth quarter, I'd be like, yeah, the Bills are just. They tried off. to. Bills tried to tell us not to trust would, them. Would you rather take the Bills minus thirteen or the Patriots minus one and a half? Because the Browns um, are good. I mean, the Browns are good. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, you're betting just, against you're just, a team with. Are the Patriots going to? Can the Patriots win that game? Right. The answer is yes, although the Browns did just look fantastic. Um, In New England, so it's like, look how hard it was for Tom. Look how hard it was even for the for the Cowboys in that game. Yeah. I don't I don't hate the minus 13. I actually like it more if it comes out. We don't, we're in no rush if it comes out that Zach Wilson's playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. No, you I like know. it more no, if Zach Wilson playing. Uh, I do like it more if Zach Wilson's playing. I just wanted to show you this because you we were talking about Josh Johnson before the show. I don't know if this will ever be duplicated again in the history of major professional sports, John. Josh Johnson's been in the league 13 seasons. Okay. Now I know it's a little, it's not like 16 games a year, but this has to be the least amount of money that anybody that could you find a way to make less money in 13 years in the NFL than Josh Johnson? He's made seven and a half million dollars. He's like the anti Chase Daniel, who's been around. How much has Chase made? Seven and a half. 43 years. Chase 43? Josh has made seven and a half in 13 years. I mean, I would bet who's the guy, who's the long snapper the Niners had to cut after because he was just making too much money for veterans minimum? Jennings? Yeah, I was going to say Doran Boss, but it was like Doran Boss's cousin. You know, the equivalent of Doran Boss with the Niners. Yeah, he's making like $2 million. I bet veteran long snappers have made more money than this after 13 years. What would you guess John Doran Boss, who played for the Eagles for like a decade, made? I mean, yeah, probably somewhere around that. It was a little while ago. I I guess even more because I feel like the last couple years they kind of, you know, gave him like one, two. J-O-N, Doran Boss. Career earnings for Doran Boss. Yeah, 10. But he, he played 13 seasons, $10 million. And like Josh, early on, practice squad cut. You can only accumulate a lot of money is if you play the, even at vet minimums, if you play the full seasons. Because then you start making seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars 900000 right? When does Josh ever make seven, eight hundred, nine hundred? You know, he doesn't. He makes like, oh, he made... 180. Right. His numbers aren't going to look like anyone else. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Which, in fairness to him, how many 35 year olds in America make $7 million by the time they're 35, right? It's an incredible start for life. No doubt. I'm just by NFL quarterback standards, by by any positions, by long snapper standards, it's a lot of amount of, not a lot of money. By quarterback standards, it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, all right. By the way, uh, we'll have that lock of the week coming on Thursday's pod. MyBookie.ig promo code HAM and the number one. Promo code HAM and the number one. They'll match that first deposit. Uh, they'll double that first deposit up to 1000 bucks, right? 
Yep. Uh, if you accept the bonus, you do have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. Be aware of that. You can also decline the bonus, but either way, Ham1, let them know we sent you. MyBookie.ag, promo code Ham1. One other game that I kind of like, Texas A&M, who's just really good. I mean, they beat crap out of Auburn. They beat Alabama. They kind of got their mojo back. Is playing Ole Miss. Ole Miss has a ton of injuries. Corral's banged up. They're Double only mi- mi- minus two and a half. Oh. I mean, Ole Miss is good. I mean, they win games, but i that's a game that kind of Where's intrigues game? me. Uh, Mississippi. All right. Good home field at AM, but yeah. Very yeah. Uh okay, John, let's talk about Trey Lance from the perspective of Justin Fields, who on Monday, for the second week in a row, threw the same touchdown that we were drooling over both Fields and Lance at their pro days. The rolling left, throw across the body to the corner of the end zone. Jesse James did it to the Niners. Whoever it was did it in a big moment on Monday night football. Is Justin Fields getting better? Every week, how would you qualify what we're seeing from him and how does it apply to Trey Lance? Well, think about this guy. By early November, by early November, after not starting the first couple weeks because of the Dalton loyalty, and then once Dalton got hurt, he's been able to start ever since. And for a several-week stretch, he was being compared to Zach Wilson as the worst quarterback statistically in the league. And that was undebatable, right, by every metric. The last two weeks, he has been a top 20-like quarterback. But... Last night, we recorded this on Tuesday, it wasn't to me just the touchdown because we saw him do that against the Niners. Even though this one, that one was a rope. This one was perfectly lobbed. Like, in a weird way, similar plays, but way different throw. Yeah. Both really impressive. How about leading them on a drive late in the game down where you're down six? So a field goal does nothing. You have to score a touchdown. Leads them on a drive. Hits Allen Robinson on the play before the touchdown to kind of get him into the red zone. You're like, this guy's making strides. This guy is improving. You know, this is that's all you can really ask for out of a rookie quarterback when your team's not going to make the playoffs. Can he keep improving? Well, what's the there's only one way to truly improve, and that's to play these games. There's a reason he gets better every week. You're just more comfortable. And the other thing, guy, the Niners game, you know. I know it's at home and it's Chicago. There's 70,000 people there, but it's a 10 a.m. I mean, for them, a noon kickoff. This was Monday Night Football against the Steelers, who have a really good defense, who kind of kicking their ass the majority of the game. And a good home crowd. Fantastic home crowd. They're struggling to score. And he just kind of was never flinched. So it's like I've learned a lot about the kid. And listen, I'm biased. I was a big fan. I would have drafted him if I was the Niners just because there was more evidence there. Uh, and clearly they loved the Lance personality and the character stuff more than Fields and, and some of the, uh, you know, re- reading the defenses. Well, I'm watching him. Like, I think he's starting to improve, <laughs> you know, getting more comfortable. Now, he's not the most – he's faster than Lance, but he's not a very instinctive runner. And maybe it's still trying to feel out the speed of the NFL. Yeah, he had it, one yesterday. Was it right before the two-minute warning? Where he kind of goes was, behind and the guy hits him. and It's just instead of going left, he just runs right into the guy and he doesn't. But, I mean, again, easy from the couch. Did you, did you, see, the, did you see the clip where earlier in the game he's running toward the sidelines like, fuck it, I'm going to lower my shoulder on Minka and Minka airborned him? You got to be yeah, careful. the hard way, I guess. Derek, had, Derek Carr learned the hard way with Pac-Man Jones. Um who did I see? Oh, it was the AM quarterback last week tried to lower it. Did you see that game? 
No. AM quarterback. I forget who they were playing. They were playing Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, he tries to lower his shoulder, like running up the hash mark on a, on a linebacker, takes him on, pops his shoulder out <laughs> to the point that the trainer's like up under his shoulder pad trying to put it in, and he is screaming, like basically, get your hand out of there. Like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Eventually, he did. They did get it back in. He came back in wearing a, a brace, but I guess it's just something you got to. You well, got to learn. That actually throws me off. I, no wonder the the line's a little off. Then. He did come back into the game, though, but I'm not sure what his status is now that we talk about this. I forgot about that. Justin Fields at, at 230 pounds. Minka elevated him. How, how many times in Justin Fields' life on a collision has he been elevated? Yeah. Uh, not often. Not many. No. Um, I, you know what? I put a lot of value in with a quarterback, especially a young quarterback is how do you play in a game where you're not just on the whole game? Because that's a lot of games. It's not, we talked about the other day, like it's one thing to play a great round of golf when everything's working for you, but how do you play when you're struggling with something and you've got to overcome? And it's not like he was, it wasn't easy for them. No, right. He was under score. Yeah. It's so to put that two minute drive together, it's basic. I don't know what's the opposite of being a front runner. But it's that to me shows that ability to. That's what that's what teams and coaches look for, right? The front running thing. Anyone can act good when things are on. How do you act when your back's against the wall? And it's the hardest thing for a lot of these guys coming from sweet programs. Like I truly don't know, right? When you blow teams out, like uh, uh, Zach Wilson. I don't. We don't know, right? They were just blowing everybody out last year at BYU. It's why Andy Reid loved Nick Foles because his senior year at Arizona. He played some of his best football, like when they would be down late in these games, and they're like, "This kid never gave up." Like they just loved his mindset. Nick Foles still does that in the NFL too. Nick Foles loves yeah. being down three scores. Have you noticed yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny, but yeah. I so it's and the other thing when you go back to Fields is now we're talking about he's going to be so far ahead of tr- whenever it is if Trey Lance plays this week or in three weeks, and Trey Lance did not appear last week like I predicted that he would. Um, so I was wrong about that, but he hasn't. Yeah, I think I saw a, a stat. He hasn't played in you know since the Arizona game. He has not played. He's not entered the field. Yeah, hasn't obviously he's been injured a couple times, but the last several weeks he's been healthy and he's just a he kind of operated like a true backup does, right? A, hell, even Mariota's getting on the field. He's played the last two games. Mariota's true. gotten some reps. Yeah, but so now we're we're talking about just when we compare this quarterback class. You're talking about Mac Jones and Justin Fields, especially Justin Fields because he played several years. Mac really just the one year in a couple games. All of those college snaps, now all of these NFL snaps, Fields has thrown 187 balls, 187 on the motherfucking block. Right? It's just Trey Lance is is, and again, it, Trey. What's important is that Trey Lance plays for the 49ers well, not necessarily him relative to these other guys. But we are just seeing this is what you get. And when a guy plays and when a guy has experience and the Niners, maybe that will, there's a long year ahead still for them, but Uh, yeah, you're going to have to find a way, like obviously this game, if they were to lose it and let's just, as we're recording this Tuesday before they announce the quarterback. And I assume Jimmy's going to keep starting. Like if you, if you can't get this guy six, seven starts, you are way behind the eight ball. In other, the best part about other sports, right, is you can get reps in baseball. You can go to the minors and get live ABs against guys that are going to pitch in the big leagues. 
Hell, Jonathan Kaminga. They can just send him down to Santa Cruz, and he can get 30 minutes of just playing basketball. There is no playing football. <laughs> Clearly, like, you know, Kyle, Aaron Banks is getting good reps. Yeah, with the scout team, clearly not good enough because you're not getting any better. You don't activate him. It's why I am very, very hesitant to just, like, I, I don't think you get that much better in practice during the season in a quarterback situation. A veteran may be a guy that can work on something specific that, you know, has had a bunch of game reps. But like you said, they did not come into this season the same. This guy had been a two-year starter at Ohio State. And he and and last year they played, and then he played in the playoffs, and obviously Trey just had the one game, and the game was a joke. But, so he's already ahead of you. And now he's getting these, he's going to have, when the season ends, assuming he stays healthy, right? He didn't start the first two games, so he'll, he'll have 15 NFL starts under his belt of playing good teams, right? I mean, I bet if we look, he'll have played several playoff-level teams. Who knows the way, you know, the pack, he, he might play a Super Bowl champion if he plays the Packers twice. Yeah, I mean, t- to this point, he's played Cincinnati, Cleveland, Raiders, Packers, Bucks, Niners, Steelers, <laughs> got Baltimore coming up. So it's like, I, I, I think you can take a lot away from getting your ass kicked, playing well. Like, you, you take it all away, right? You're able to put it in the little experience box. And so far, Trey just has the one game. And I guess the half, but it's that was kind of mumbo-jumbo just thrown in there. But the, yeah, the true I, start, when you game plan, when you go in at halftime and you adjust from the game plan, Trey had one of those. Yeah, I look at it like if you go to a batting cage and face 80-mile-an-hour pitches and then don't come back to that batting cage for three weeks, the time you spent getting your timing down is lost. You you don't, you know, like if you go face Monday, 80 miles an hour, I'm talking, you know, you, let's say you're a high school kid in the 80s fast, whatever. And then you come back Tuesday and then you come back Wednesday and then you come back Thursday. And you, by Friday, you're just going to be swinging earlier, whatever, your bat speed – that's what stacking up NFL starts is if you don't play again for three weeks, you don't step in that cage again. 80 looks just like it did three weeks ago. Listen, I, I, I am all for taking Trey Lance over Mac Jones, no matter Mac Jones keeps dinking and dunking his way to the playoffs. And I got no problem putting $500 on the Patriots this week. But I, I, am, I understood the move and I support the move, even though I barely even see this kid play. I thought Justin Fields was really good. I thought he was a big-time prospect at 6'3", 225 pounds, big arm, athletic as shit. I mean, you watch him last night, like he, he looks like a natural thrower. That's just going to be one that, you know, not, not making any grand statement, but for Trey Lance to be better than Justin Fields, it's going to be difficult. This guy's a blue chipper for a reason. This guy took his team to the playoffs for a reason. This guy lit up Clemson like a Christmas tree for... This guy's a fucking big-time player. Now, obviously, the NFL incorporates more you still have to you know learn defenses defenses keep changing the looks that you struggle with it's 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 a continuous process of improvement but I think we all agree you can watch a couple drives when he's on and Niner fans watched him last week and I would imagine a lot of people peeked at him last night there's a lot there right there is yeah there's there's a lot there there's a lot there and and I think it's he not was just- third he was third on the Niners board we know that of the three guys that they had access yeah, to. Yeah, that's, right? that's what I've believed I, since I, yeah. the draft. I think it's pretty much verified from what I've been told. Yeah, I, when I said it, I was it was an educated statement. When I said it, I think it was between Mac and Trey Lance after the draft. Yeah. That was not a guess. Um, and, you know, it's not just them that could have to live with that. 
Detroit, Miami, Carolina, most definitely. Denver, Denver Philly. Um, good, really good quarterbacks have been drafted in that range of 10, 11, 12 in recent years. I, I and, think some I, I think it's crazy sometimes that you get this finite thought in your mind that this guy, whatever it is, like, you know, I don't think he reads defense as well enough. Well, you as an offensive coach, when you don't have a quarterback, do you, do you think you have the ability to improve on that with the guy? Or do you think that's just impossible? He can't learn it. He can't see it. Well, did he not see it in college? And he won't be able to see it in the pros? Or like, yeah, I think he's going to be able to work and improve greatly. Because it sure feels like he's improving on that. Because that was a huge I, knock in the league. I think it's so hard to even when you when you water it down to that one thing, did he see it? There's so many things that play into it. Did the receiver know what he was doing? How was he coached to make to how was he coached on that particular play? Was the was a defensive back in the wrong spot? Like, was it this was it the Monday night game or the Sunday night game? I think it was the Sunday night game. Who had a pick late in that game on Sunday? So one of the Titans DBs had a pick. And he said in the postgame interview with Michelle Tafoya, I wasn't supposed to be there, but whatever. See the ball, catch the ball. Right. And that goes back to what Peyton Manning said. Half the picks he threw was because he knew where the DB was supposed to be and the guy was in the wrong spot. And then he picked him off. Right. And Eli was like, Yeah, but didn't you see him there? But I'm just saying, when we talk about does a guy see it based off some college tape, we don't know what his receivers, I, I, even that is really hard to, to really, to really know what we're talking about when we're talking about those sorts of things. It's really hard to qualify. And time after time after time after time, what we think we know about a guy after college is not what he turns out to be in the NFL for better or worse. I think the other thing that's really impressive, we thought, and I definitely thought this, if all these guys played, if they all played, Trey Lance would have the best chance of the group to be the offensive rookie of the year based on the talent around him, based on the stability of his organization, based on his play caller and the stability that Kyle Shanahan has with his organization. Well, here's where you got to give Justin Fields some credit too. The head coach is on the hot seat. He's been in and out of the lineup. He wasn't the guy that was there two weeks ago. Did he fire himself again this year as the offensive coordinator? So he's had two different coordinators this year. Is that demote? Demote that, stays on that, staff. You know, but they both. But he's had two different play callers, right? Yeah. He's had situations where they're yelling in his ear, 12 men snap the ball," and that's not correct. That's happened twice, and he's handled it all. He's handled it all. And look, he—you would say the same. Trey Lance had adversity. Nobody wanted him as a quarterback. He went to North Dakota State. Justin Fields had adversity on a different level. He went to Georgia, and then he went to, to to Ohio State. But he has not had a soft landing, you would say, in the NFL. No. It's not been easy. The offensive line's bad. He comes in. It's supposed to be Andy Dalton, who, by the way, on TV looks like just as tall as Ben Roethlisberger when they're standing next to each other hugging postgame. I don't know if you noticed that. It was weird. He, yeah. Roethlisberger shrunk? Or, or, or Andy's hair is big. I don't know. But – it's been He's, impressive. It's been impressive. It's been really impressive. I say, I, I, even you know, the Niners took a guy with huge upside. I, you know, or Zach Wilson being better than Justin Fields. Like, if if you said John, five thousand dollars right now, I wouldn't even hesitate. And I would have done this before the season, regardless of organizations. Like, they ain't the same animal. I'll promise you that. They're just different level. They're in a different universe, talent wise. And Zach Wilson's talented. This kid is a special, special blue chip physical attributes. And then it's like, well, he's actually kind of accurate. Like, you watch his throws. It's not – he's got touch. He's got power. That's the one thing you see with them, right? The two yeah. touchdowns the last two weeks, the same thing. Rolling to the left, the guy going. 
One was a strike. Last night to Mooney was the little lollipop. Perfectly placed, too. Allowed him to still drag and his pretty, feet. And pretty, by the way. Oh, Which gorgeous. count for anything, but kind of counts for something. He pulls off the number one well. I'm a big fan of his game. Yeah, yeah. Unfazed, you know, in a situation that's difficult. Didn't seem to be rattled in any at any point in time. Okay, what about the Niners and Kyle Shanahan? Uh, there's a, we, we talk about it a lot. We've been talking about it a lot. Where do you stand right now today? Tuesday, November 9th on the amount of heat that he's getting. I, my DMS and my text message are relentless with the anger toward him right now. Yeah. I mean, look at the the stream too. Yeah. I mean, it's people and it's, you know, I, I enjoy this part of football more than like, cause listen, whether a guy's struggling or not, you know, the Josh Norman thing will get in later, but like Jimmy, like you can like, I, I can't blame Jimmy anymore. Like they keep putting him out there. He is what he is. Sometimes players, I go back to the Dabo thing. The best part about football is it's truly on the football coach. He gets to dictate fucking everything. This is not the NBA. Players don't have any juice. What If Kyle wants to cut someone, the guy's cut yesterday. If Kyle wants to play someone, he's playing every snap. And he's had a horrendous year. And I, I, I was on a text thread yesterday. One thing I think that's bothering people and listen, it just this this is something we talk about when you lose. His body language is really shitty. I mean, it just it, it really is bad. I I feel like a lot of 49er fans I know feel like this guy hates being here right now. You're talking about his body language on the field or his body language in press conferences or both? I'm talking about his body language during games and his look. Just looks just bleh. You know, it's like, can the guy just ever show any juice? And it doesn't bother me as much, though, it, you know, I agree a little bit. Like, you have to, I, I think sometimes, well, like, Belichick and Andy, and Andy Reid are examples, right? Their personality, they don't really yell that much during games. If anything, you don't really see, like, if you've watched the Chiefs this year and you've watched the Chiefs two years ago when they went 15-1, and one, doesn't, to me, Andy doesn't look any different. <laughs> Andy never changes really anything. And, Except and for his I, post-game dance. And listen, I, I don't pretend to be some like uh, road scholar in studying leadership, but if you just pay attention enough to some Instagram channels and you watch football, I do think it's fair to say that the guys that are up and down on the sideline and just there's a negative kind of vibe with them, it does impact the team sometimes. And there's just something, for whatever reason, it starts with Kyle. And his actions, his mindset, his body language, I, I do think it all plays a part. Now, there's the football aspect is killing them. Like, if he dialed better plays, if they didn't fumble, if they were more prepared, they would just be better regardless whether he smiled or had a frown. But it's just like, he looks like a, a miserable... This gets back to what we've been talking about. There is not a soul, you know, that's going to... Maybe Lynch could tell him, like, hey, bro, you know... Now, what, lighten his, up? Yeah. Now, who he's been raised by, his dad, pretty miserable looking guy. John Gruden, not Mr. Happy. Like, th- those were kind of his football mentors, right? Worked for Gruden and his dad, like the two most successful guys that Super Bowl champion coaches that probably taught him the nuts and bolts of coaching football. Kubiak is a good example, is a guy he spent a lot of time with who does feel a little more, a little more of a positive guy, I'd say. I'd say Dan Quinn is a little more, a little more Pete positive, not quite Pete, but I'd say Dan Quinn's more positivity on the sideline guy. Yeah. And I would say that Dan Quinn, you know, I, I, if Kyle had to rank the coaches he worked for, it'd probably be lower on the list. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, 
You're first right. of all, Dan is Dan is a positive guy. Body language is a huge deal. Like I watched Kyler the other day, and I hated his body language on the side. It was line. terrible. Yeah, just just. I like, does that guy, is that guy a franchise leader? Well, as long as he's a great quarterback, then he'll be treated as such. But I don't know. Wouldn't shock me if there were some people in the locker room that were like, fuck yeah, Colt McCoy. Um, which by the way, somebody who knows Colt McCoy reached out to me after our last podcast and said, one of the underrated things about Colt McCoy is the guy loves football at an elite level. He just loves football. And it's part of what makes him, he works his ass off because he loves football and he squeezes every ounce of juice out of that orange. So. I, I, I feel like we both, and I know I'm way guilty on this. I don't know much about him. I really don't. And I just wrote him off because he's a 35-year-old backup that doesn't play that much. And then I watched him like, I kind of like this guy. <laughs> well, I was texting my buddy who knows Colt. And I'm like, I, I, I after the game, I said, I'm just kind of sitting here. I really do really appreciate for Colt McCoy what that was like. Because most guys at 35 years old who've been around the league for a while and have been backups and have not been on great teams, you think about some of the teams he's been on, don't keep at it and don't get that opportunity and then don't look like that when they get their shot. And so I was – I did just kind of sit back afterwards and go, like, I'm. that's pretty cool to see what Colt McCoy did. And I said to him, were you surprised? He said, I was not surprised that Colt played like that because I know how hard he works and I know how much he loves football. Yeah, I, so, I would not be shocked if Josh. His other thing was I think Colt are high school coaches. Yeah, his other thing was I think Colt's underrated athletically. Like he's more talented than people realize. He I'd agree. Good. Watching him, he's a good athlete. Anyway, um, I think that I think what I see in Kyle's body language is disbelief. I don't think he can. Be, I think he still hasn't come to terms with the fact that his team's in this position. He think and he even said it after the game. I didn't think. I thought we'd look good. We had a good week of practice. I thought we'd look good. I think he's having a very difficult time accepting that this is the situation that they're in. Isn't that and, on him though to pivot when it's not? Oh when yeah, the situation no presents question, itself. Yeah, of course. But I don't. I I think he thought he had the answers last week. He thought we have the answer. We practice well. We're about to bounce back. And honestly, if they don't have those two fumbles, they I think they might win that game. But they had the two fumbles, and they – I mean, whatever. It's just – I think he was probably right, and then the game went wrong, and their defense – they just the, – the, their pro, they cannot handle things not going right. And when I say that, I don't mean emotionally. I just mean they don't have enough to overcome it. Their quarterback can't overcome it because he's not good enough. Their defense can't overcome it because they're not taking the ball away. They cannot overcome being imperfect unless they're playing like the Bears. Well, the Cardinals were slicing and dicing and had it going on. And the Niners were imperfect. And like we were talking about Fields the other night uh, on Monday Night Football, he overcame being – now they still lost the game. But the Niners just are not able to overcome their imperfections right now. And I think it comes back – I think a lot of it comes back to Jimmy's limitations. But they did not lose that game because of Jimmy. They lost that game because they put themselves behind the eight ball. And if you're not – and if they're playing a team that's going to keep scoring, they can't – they just can't overcome it. When did the Bears game change? When the Bears turned the football over, right? Yeah. And and, and Khalil Herbert went out. The, the Cardinals clearly are a better football team than the Bears, and the Niners just can't overcome that. I, I think he – I think Kyle is struggling with that. And that goes back to your point. Like, that goes back to another coach on the staff who can have some other solutions for him um, maybe that's defensively. Maybe Trey Lance is part of a solution, and he's not willing to go there, and that's a problem. But well, I think part of being a head coach, a leader in anything, I'd say, but definitely head coach when you have a bunch of younger people 
even in the pros, you have, I bet the, you know, the average age on an NFL roster is like 26, 27 years old. So the overwhelming majority of people are not even parents and they're under 30. <laughs> so when they're looking, and this is what I always thought was hard because I was, I couldn't fake it when I worked for a team. Now I didn't, no one looked at me for guidance or anything, so it didn't matter. But I was like, I was always amazed that coaches could be kind of like fake optimists because you have to be. And I, I think Kyle's not very good at that. I, I think it's a huge struggle for him. He's actually more more like normal people. He's actually, I think he's a glass half empty guy. Well, yeah, and his body language is like reflective of like what every fan's thinking. I don't think you can be like that. And I, I think he's going to have to do some introspection. Now it's hard, you know, at, at forty one years old with. I'm just going to throw out a, even $50 million already made in his career. Fuck, probably more than that. But whatever. He he doesn't need the money. He, he's already super famous. Now, he's never won a Super Bowl as a head coach, but like, it's hard to change once you've accomplished a lot uh, and have a lot of juice. And there's not like a... I, I, I just I say this name, but it's like, this guy's proven he struggles to hire coaches. John Mara, but just, just an older guy. Hell, a Stan Kroenke, a guy that just, hey, man. I've been in business for 30 years and I fucking made billions of dollars. Let's just sit and talk life. Paul Allen, whatever. And just have a conversation. Like I wouldn't blame Kyle for not looking. I know he probably likes him as a, who knows, (laughs) but he doesn't look at Jed like an equal, even though in some weird way, they both, you know, were kind of born into a family, but Kyle definitely had to earn his stripes more like Kyle. Mike Shanahan couldn't hold his hand with the Houston Texans or the Atlanta Falcons. Like ultimately, Jed, like he's made some good investments, but it's like, is he really making the investments? Or like Parag and some of his money guys? Now you get credit for hiring those guys. But like their ownership, and this is where I keep going back to because I, I see this a lot, right? You see it in the chat, you see it in our Twitter mentions, you see it talking to people. Fucking Kyle. Should we fucking fire Kyle and let Jed York conduct an interview process? And and again, he's not gonna get fired. Unless something insane happens. It would be one of the biggest stories in the NFL. But he's not. But if he did, in what world do you think, like, oh, Jed will figure it out. We've experienced that before. He got lucky, one, to land Kyle and John. He wanted Josh. Josh told him no. And who knows? That would have been probably a disaster. Well, in all likelihood, Josh McDaniels would have been a lock to make it to the Super Bowl in four years. No chance. Well, you'd end up in the same spot with probably an all-powerful head coach. Because that's what you have to give when that's what he had to give Kyle when they were in that circumstance. And that's what he'd probably have to give the next guy, right? Because they don't have a GM. That's and, not, and, they don't and, currently have a GM that is above the head coach. And, and so listen, generally, that's how it works. I agree. And in fairness to Jed, the overwhelming majority of owners, it feels like, are lost when they're searching for head coaches, right? They, they don't know what they're doing, they miss all the time, whether they're self made billionaires or guys you know that have been handed the team from their family. It is very very difficult, right? That's that to me is my overarching theme that like if Kyle fails here in the next couple of years and this trajectory stays the same and it just gets really ugly and Trey Lance is a disaster there is to me there's under a 50% chance that the next coach would be an upgrade. He might be the quote unquote sexier name at the time, but it would more than likely lead to what it's been under the York leadership. Losing. Losing. Yeah. Well, the, but they're not there yet. They're not even not, close. No. But I do but, think but that's where but that conversation, if they go six well, John, and 11, if, you take a, if you take out the Super Bowl year. 
which to me is pretty crazy to keep using that. Like, you subtract the Super Bowl year? Well, yeah. If you fucking subtract two years ago from Andy Reid, he wouldn't have a Super Bowl championship. Like, everything counts. Yes, but Andy Reid has a much longer resume of competing for championships, right? Or just, like that's just what, going to the playoffs. That's part that's of what the, the next few years are about, right? Because because we can look back and go, yeah, I mean, Ken Wisenhunt went to a Super Bowl, but right, yeah, yeah, that, Jim Ky- Caldwell Ky- went to a Super Bowl, but Kyle's it, Kyle's in that category right now because like Mike Vrabel, for example, unlike Mike those Vra- guys, Mike Vrabel's gonna... never made a Super Bowl, and he, I mean, more than likely, he won't even this year. But you know what he's going to do for three straight years? Playoffs. And for back-to-back years, host the playoff game. It's like, that's that's all... Do you know what all owners want? Like, ideally, you'd get Belichick and Brady and you'd go to nine Super Bowls. Basically, every single other person just... Can you just, like, host playoff games, like, every other year and go to the playoffs every year, even if you're on the road? Like, why... Do you think Mike Tomlin, for as shitty as last year was, they got a home playoff game. They won the division. You think that sucked for them? I'll promise you. No, it didn't. You know what they're going to do again this year? Make the playoffs. Do you know how many times Mike Tomlin's made the playoffs? It's like, well, he's only won the one Super Bowl. Yeah, he fucking makes the playoffs every freaking year. And the one year where they they ended up playing with a quarterback named Duck, they went eight and eight. Never been under 500. You know what Kyle would have done for eight and eight this year? I mean, guy, he's what's he headed toward right now? It feels like six and 11. That's what it feels like they're headed toward. Yeah, well, you know, Trey Lance playing is going to be a big part of how that looks, but... Right but now, even like even if it, I, even if it looks bright and there's a lot like the Fields thing, like it's a bright moment for Fields the last two weeks. They have lost both games. Like you could, he could have yeah, a bunch of but, games. But again, that's but that's part of what it would at least I think for some for some people be an indication of. I agree, but the record Kyle's will still not, because be because again, Kyle's not getting fired. So how do you get out of this right now? He's got to fix it. He has to fix it. Well, yeah, when you, as John Baxter used to say, when you find yourself in a hole, what do you do? You drop the shovel. And it does feel like, and this is where I think fans look at him, it's like he's playing into this with like his weird vibes and his coaching. And it's just, now there were moments, and I'm sure you get this like, he didn't fumble the ball. George did. Brandon did. Yes, we know. Just like Mike Tomlin didn't fumble the fucking punt that led to up points, right? Yeah, I mean, but, but, he built this team that wasn't able to overcome those fumbles. That's to me, the, the bottom line. Yeah, he built the team that couldn't overcome those fumbles. And really it wasn't close. I mean, they got, as the kids say, dog walked. I, I loved, I, I loved, a, uh, was it this year or two years ago? The interview he did with Rich Eisen, I've tweeted it out before where he, he talked about like how he looks at a house with his wife and he'll talk about all the things he hates and his wife will be almost in tears. And she'll say, why do you hate this house? And he'll say, I don't hate this house. I like this house. I'm just, that's how I process things. I think that's, that spoke to me because that's sometimes how I think. And I have to be cognizant of, no, we're going to guy, let's be up. Let's look at this thing from a glass half full standpoint, because that's going to give you a better chance to succeed. And I think that's an insight into Kyle. I don't think Kyle thinks, you know, in some ways he's negative. I think he's very comfortable in the negativity. That is the NFL. I think he's comfortable with the criticism. I think he's comfortable with the failure I think he knows how to he knows how to work through those, but you have to help other you have to bring other people with you in those circumstances, right? Well, you're the captain you're the of the cl- ship. Because you're the captain of the ship. Yeah. All right, John, before we go on, uh let's we're gonna talk about some of his captaincy moments, a big moment. Let's uh let's tell the people about liquid IV. Liquidiv.com. Promo code is ham, and you get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com. And use the code 
ham. Make it part of your daily routine because right now, winter, maybe you're not sweating. If you are sweating, shout out to you for putting your body to the test. But either way, you are getting dehydrated, whether you're sweating or not, if you're not consuming the water that your body needs. And Liquid IV can help you multiply that hydration with things like the hydration multiplier. So go to liquidiv.com and use the code HAM for 25% off. Yeah, uh, one stick of Liquid IV guy in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. As someone who's been hungover a couple times, as someone who's just kind of been dehydrated, didn't drink enough water, you, you pop one of those packs and you feel ready to roll. Game changer. I can't recommend it enough. Liquid IV. Go to liquidiv.com. Use the promo code HAM. Uh, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Healthier than sugary sports drink and no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV, flavors nationwide at Walmart, or you can go to, or you can get 25% off at liquidiv.com. Use the code HAM at checkout, 25% off anything you order when you get better hydration today using promo code HAM at liquidiv.com. Podcast is also brought to you by Sleep Number, sleepnumber.com slash HAM. Yep. Listen, we've had uh, sleepnumber.com slash ham. We've been sleeping on these beds for a long time. There is not a better bed to get a great night's sleep than sleepnumber.com slash ham. Uh, the key, I, I like a nice cold room at night. Mm. I, I can't sleep in the heat. Yep. I, like a nice, I like a nice breeze. Also try, not great at this, you know, turn off the phone close to your eyes. I My phone basically is like my third hand now. I'm not proud of that. Uh, but if you try to do that, it helps you know your brain turn off. I've, I was once told by a Chip Kelly Navy SEAL, you know, a uh, little employee that he brought with to the Eagles that that is that's a key thing. You know, keep those lights away from your eyes when you're trying to go to bed. It triggers some things in the brain. Plus, you get the Sleep IQ data, John, so you can keep track of how you are sleeping and improve your sleep. Proven quality sleep is life changing sleep. It's time for Sleep Numbers Black Friday specials. Save fifty percent on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed plus special financing only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash ham. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments are required. See sleepnumber.com slash ham for details, or as some say, details. Details. Josh Norman did not get cut. Uh, I advocated for Josh Norman to be cut. I think you advocated for Josh Norman to be cut. Josh Norman, who uh, committed a penalty that got him benched in the game against the Cardinals on Sunday, did not get cut for that transgression. I thought it cost them multiple moments, not just the penalty he committed for taunting, but also his replacement, Drake Kirkpatrick, gave up a touchdown run to Eno Benjamin. That's actually kind of Josh Norman's thing, is tackling a running back, and uh, he wasn't there to do it. So Always liked Eno. (laughs) He hurt the uh, 49ers on multiple occasions. Um, and I would have cut them for it. They didn't. What that says to me is they knew they were taking a chance when they signed Josh Norman that he would cost them a game, and they were so desperate to what they thought improve their cornerback core that they signed a guy that might cost them a game. When he cost them a game, they said to themselves, yep, that's what we signed up for, and we're still willing to accept it. He's done things like this on the field before. He is notoriously not a very good teammate. And, um, you know, once again, the Niners are making concessions on what they think. I don't think in their world, Josh Norman's the kind of guy they want on their team. But they have made concessions, um, and they're sticking with him. So let's not be surprised if something like this happens again. 
I think one of the most head-scratching parts is Kyle gave some quotes on on Monday about the the rookie class and the two corners and really the Norman situation. He said, I didn't necessarily tell the defense that they had to bench him for the game, but I was fine with whatever they were going to do, basically. Yeah. And they rolled with it, and he was cool with it. And then he went into uh, some details on uh, Ambry Thomas and, and Lenore. And when they drafted him, like, they were going to redshirt him. And, you know, it's they're going to be kids, you know, kids that are 10 years old right now. The word redshirt has a whole new meaning, right? When, when we were growing up, redshirting, not just in college, but even in the pros, like most people did not play immediately. And there was a point in time, probably before we were even born, that colleges had like a freshman couldn't even play on varsity, right? And, and no rookies in pro sports really played probably till like the eighties, it became kind of in vogue. But I would say even up to the last couple decades that, you know, some of the old school college coaches, Nick Saban early on in some of his tenure, even at Alabama, it was very, very hard for a young guy to get on the field. And some old school NFL coaches were like that. I think that's completely gone out the window. And when he says that we drafted these guys to not play them, I think in theory, every draft room drafts a player in the fourth, fifth, third, hell, even the third round sometimes. Like, we don't want this guy to be a starter, but they use the word we wanted them as depth. Well, isn't part of the thing about having depth? It's like, why why do you have food in your fridge? Because when you run out, then you have more something to eat. Like, part of the reason to have depth, it is not depth if the guy is never activated or never plays. He's just, he's a zero. He's just, yeah, practice depth, but you, you don't have depth. You just drafted some guys that you are refusing to play. And I see, I saw Kawakami tweeting like, it's either a disastrous decision on draft day, uh, poor evaluation, or right now it's a poor understanding of their yeah. situation. I just don't understand how you could humanly possible, it, it's humanly possible to know whether the guy can truly play or not when if you're winning whatever no one would care but you're losing and that position suck it can't get any worse you like lead the league in pis you had like back-to-back games where the pi yardage accounted for like 180 yards in two games of just free yards to the coach to the quarterback because you keep looking like they're only giving up like 180 yards throwing but they're getting another hundred through pass interferences so what do you have to lose to just throw this guy out there and this notion you look around the league there are third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounders start all the time for not just the Jags, but well, the have one. His name's Elijah Mitchell. But but how would they have known Elijah could play if they didn't give him a shot to play? Yeah, I mean, they were right though that they knew he could play. But I'm not. I I don't think anyone would be expecting for one of these two drafted corners to come out and look like a potential Pro Bowler. But if you just made one play and he got burned, it's like, well, at least you're getting burned with a guy. Let's just see what he has. Let him stay out there. It's not working. Yeah, what I, they have. My problem is not so much that those guys aren't on the field. My problem is more that it feels like they badly, badly missed on the pick. Because I do think practice can tell you something about a player, right? Particularly at that position. Some, not, some guys aren't practice players, though. There's no question. But at that position, it's different not a practice player when you're a running back and no one's really tackling you or you're a quarterback and no one's really tackling you or you're a receiver and no one can really hit you going over the middle and pra- when you're ball when you're a, when you're a ball possessor it's a little different in practice if you're getting burned and you're holding nonstop like you are getting burned and holding nonstop i'm inclined to believe 
So is huh? Josh Norman looking okay in practice and then terrible in the games? Like, what's his benefit of the doubt on this? Yeah, one? I mean, he's probably looking – I believe he's looking better than them because he's still on this team. And there's no way they want Josh Norman on this team. They didn't want Josh Norman on this team before they got Josh Norman. But they were in a, clearly in a desperate spot. If they thought Ambry Thomas could play – 85% of Josh Norman, then he should be on the field over Josh Norman. Yeah. But he doesn't. So I agree with you. We talked about this the other day because what you said Kawakami tweeted is what I said on the last podcast. This is a – this is a they, they missed it somewhere here because they drafted these guys high enough knowing they were going to need them, just like they drafted running backs knowing they were going to need them. They were right about that. They were right about that. They hit one or two. Okay, well, ideally, one of your two corners could be playing right now and it'd be less of an issue. They were right that they would need other corners. I said I thought one of the big miscalculations of this offseason was going all in that Jason Verrett is just healthy now forever. Because he had a good season. And you could argue they actually didn't assume that. They drafted two corners. At least John Gruden recognized that he hated Lynn Bowden and traded him before he lost all of his value. Like, it's too late now to do anything else with these guys but try and develop them. But... Uh, if they thought they were going to be good enough that none of these guys were going to have to play, then that was a major, major miscalculation by them. If they drafted them knowing that they wouldn't be able to play this year, then they miscalculated their team. But th- th- this is why I think, you know, people are so angry right now. If this game on Monday Night Football and Josh Norman gives up a couple touchdowns and they lose, and then they're, instead of being three and five, they're three and six. And it goes, Kyle, you are losing anyway. You are getting smoked with a guy, one, you clearly can't trust in a big spot, and two, who can't make a play in the air to save his life. What is the point of not just giving these guys some game reps against, because eventually, like, are they just never going to play? You know, again, it's you're right. It's not about these specific guys. Most, if you just ask the average Niner fan, could they truly name the two corners? No. I don't think they could, but that's not the point. They are just, the consumer is tired of watching Josh Norman. It's just that simple. Like you can't. And then after last week, it's like, you guys have no standards. Like what is your standard as an operation? Like, where do you draw the line? That's what also it feels. It's like, okay, part of being this old school asshole, which is the way he conducts himself, which I I don't hate. I'm with you. I got... I think we both have some negativity to us. I've been drawn to those people over the years. Belichick, like, that shit doesn't fly with him. Like, one thing with Andy is, you know, he's a little more happier and he gives people second chances. Coach Hill was like that, too. Kyle's like this old-school kind of dick, but then he won't fucking cut a guy. Well, especially when it's easy. Like, to me, I def- I, I think I probably disagree to some... Do jo- you think John Lynch wants to keep this guy? I don't think they want him on the team to begin with, John. He is known as a guy that makes mistakes on the field, kind of lives off one great year in Carolina, and is not a good teammate. Okay? That is not the type of player they sign. Like, they do care about locker room chemistry, even though we could argue over the Buckner thing, they miscalculate. Think who who Norman replaced. A guy that was beloved by them, right? Richard Sherman. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not advocating Richard's probably shot and physically. Yeah. But, like, think of what Richard stood for for them. My point is that by not cutting him, they're acknowledging we knew this is what we were going to get from him, and we accepted that possibility when we, we signed even, him. We didn't even That's care. That's how desperate. Well, it's just we care, but we just made a deal with the devil. Like, you know, we just – this is what we got to do to try and compete. And what you do is you introduce that into your locker room, and who knows how that spreads beyond just what we get to see on the field. But it's a risk. 
and it's not paying off. And they kind of double down on it. And that tells us what they think of the other guys they have, because I don't think for a second they want this guy on their team, but he's there. And clearly not going anywhere. And clearly it's like what, when he does it again, you're not going to get, Oh, what I was going to say though, is you're not going to get cut. You're not going to get credit for cutting him. If he does it again, it's like, well, this, no, this was no, preventable, no. but I think I disagree probably with most people when it comes to the handling of Ayuk. And I think right now we'll see time still has to play itself out. Um, uh, that maybe it worked, but Ayuk is different than Norman. Ayuk is a guy you're invested in. Ayuk is a guy that you're all in on. Like getting the most out of Brandon Ayuk is part of the future of your operation. Whether you're good or not this year, it's about setting him up for long-term success. Josh Norman is a, is you cut Josh Norman there. Nobody goes, Oh man, you guys, but ripping out the soul of the team, not able to develop players. And, and there are elements of Ayuk, given that like what he represents with some of the younger guys, if there are things that we don't know about, that clearly they have done a very good job of not letting out, like yeah. him showing up late and stuff. Like, okay, I get it internally. I get holding one, him to a higher standard than Josh Norman, actually. I get that. Uh, but but I don't understand, and I, I just the reason I always aspired to get to the NFL when I was at Fresno State, I loved, because we had these guys at Fresno State, but in college you can't cut them. In, in the NFL, you fucking you cut guys all the time. For showing up like late to a meeting, for looking at a coach weird, let alone doing something moronic on the field. Obviously, not guys like your core guys under contract, but Josh Normans are cut like every other week in the NFL, all over the NFL. Like just a random veteran guy who fucks up, who's not, or just as simple as not good enough. You get cut for poor play in the NFL. That's right. that's my favorite part about the NFL. The business model keep churning, keep churning. Hell, guy. Go claim a corner, and I know there are some claim rules now, right? You you get eight, or I think they've expanded the practice squad. You're allowed to to put like the the block, the three guys, so you can't claim certain guys. So maybe it's harder. Corner is always a premium position. Like when I was in the NFL, any guy in the practice squad was fair game. You could you could sign them unless they cho- they could actively choose to stay. But like now they have that rule, which is cool. I, I enjoy that. Like that's a smart rule. You should benefit yeah. from developing a guy. But just do that. Like that's, you are you telling me your top five practice squad corners are all blocked? If that was the case, I, I, I guess I could understand it. But there's not one guy that you're like, this, take this guy, a couple, you know, a guy that you would have drafted a couple years ago is like a fifth rounder on Tampa or Philly or who, whatever team, claim him or sign him to your active roster and cut Josh Norman. It's such a BP fastball. It's an easy but, one. And again, I think it's an addition by subtraction in your locker room. That's the other part of it with him. The next time somebody says Josh Norman's a leader in this clubhouse, it'll be the first. Yeah. And when I say in this clubhouse, I mean on a clubhouse on Twitter. People talking, posting. People still That's, doing that? Uh, I think it's called the spaces or something. Oh. Uh, how about Tony Carrente, John? Your boy, Tony Carrente. Tony Carrente's not the principal, is he? From like no, that's, that's No, that's uh, that's not Testator, but Sterator. No, it's not Sterator. Yeah, it's not Carrente, I don't think. Like St. Mary's of Stockton or was something? Ster- was Sterator the uh, index card? Sterator's the index card, yeah. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. What's the deal? What'd you th- What'd you think? All our penalties on Monday Night Football. A continuation of a highly... Is, is there any numbers on how many penalties we've had this year relative to most? Well, the the Bears had eleven last night when I looked. At, Teacher at, at La Mirada, maybe that is him. Actually, it, it might be. Uh, the the hip check though to me is the penalties. To me, the penalties like I, I I'm done. 
complaining about them because it's every game. They're just the amount of flags on the on the grass every single game you watch to me is insane. Now the ratings are up, so the league doesn't care. But to hip check to push yourself into someone after you were already kind of like, okay, bad. this motherfucker's gonna tap and hold that, the flag like he did the flag toss like yeah he did he did a finger roll. It was that's embarrassing. I suspend them, and I think one of the reasons I would suspend them beyond just the obvious thing that it's like, you know, part of your job is to be he him. unemotional. He him. Yes, he tried to like flop almost like he was going to like, oh, I'll show you. I'm going to get you to hit me. Like he was instigating Cassius Marsh is what he was doing. And I think the reason the NFL has to come down on him is because of all the things that you've said for years. Like you and a lot of, and definitely a lot of people on Twitter. Maybe you've led the charge. It's like these guys. We need more accountability. This is not acceptable, right? All of there's a lot of gambling. There's a lot. Of, you cannot for a because of all of those criticisms. You cannot for a second allow an official to be emotional, which is what Tony Carrenti was. He lost it in that moment, John. What's well, in every in every element, right? The fans have something to gain or lose if you've put money on the game. Players and coaches and executives. Every single person that works for the team beside the owner, you know, that's associated with football, a win or a loss can dictate, you know, whether they had a move, whether they lose their job. And these these umpires, referees in all these sports, and I know we have some that listen to us, and I, I, I do respect how challenging the job is. As as a guy that, you know, in high school I umped uh, Davis Little League AAA and I blew a call. It's it's hard. Heat of the moment, that's kid was throwing like forty miles an hour. I, I understand it. But stuff like that, and I think you've seen it historically in the NBA with some of the uh, – remember Tim Duncan had the one referee that like – it becomes emotional. And it's like – and I do get the longer you do anything, you do feel a bigger role in the whole production of it. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be human nature. Uh, once you've been – for 20 years, you feel like you're playing a role in the game. And uh, they're mic'd up. And I just thought that, listen, the, the rule – the taunting rule is the taunting rule. And it's something that's a point of emphasis. And he did like a Bruce Lee kick. It was pretty unreal after he did the sack. That's why I thought once the flag came down, I'm like, they threw a flag for him doing a Bruce Lee kick for this. Did you see that thing? He kind of got like down in a squat. It's just, it. that's, like, his, that's his thing, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this guy's pretty athletic. But then clearly they showed you know him kind of looking, and he wasn't saying anything. Like they showed his mouth. He was just staring at him. And he's a long way away, but I, I, I get it. But I, I just think these these umpires and referees are just they're skating a little too close to the, the emotional side of things with these guys and and someone like that for example, Cassius Marsh had been on their practice squad like his career's whole, hanging by a thread right that's something that immediately let's just say the Bears hypothetically in the next twenty four hours cut him you know they blame him for that yeah and his it just ends his career and maybe if he doesn't. You know, that never happens. They don't throw the flag. He has the big sack. They win the game. It's a huge moment in his career. He's able to stay on the roster for the next year, and he just maybe extends his career another year and a half. So this is what I say. These umpires and referees, they're the only – politicians and them are the only people that have zero consequences. Zero. But I don't think that's true, John. I I don't – you know, I don't have in front of me what the – what the the punishments are. And I – this is why – this is why what you're saying, Tony Carrenti, should be punished is because people believe stuff like that. I think they're graded pretty hard internally. It's not made public, but you get postseason assignments based on how you handle all these types of situations. Um, So I don't – 
I don't think there's no accountability inside. And I also think like we got to recognize, like, is it why is it that NBA officiating, college football officiating, NFL officiating and Major League Baseball officiating all feels like it's just so terrible? Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's the access we have to seeing everything that they do. Maybe just not the best and the brightest doing the job. Could be that <laughs> Maybe simple. that's a part. But again, like, is is it possible that it's worse now than it's ever been, or is it just that we get to see everything that they do faster than they get to see it? Because we do. Yeah, that the slow motion and they're doing a human element job, right? Did you see the viral video last night? James Harden got an and one, and he went nuts, and their bench went nuts. Like finally, it's like it's like a forty forty one game, and the whole Steve Nash is. And it's like, this is what it's become. Like this, the, the, the penalties and the fouls and obviously baseball, the push for robo umps. It's just, in fairness to the, the people that wear the, the zebras or the umpires, it has become more contentious because I think the fans are louder about it now. Like you said, that the slow motion and slow motion replays are not realistic, right? Like you right. just see a slow motion replay. That is not what the guy saw when he either threw the flag or didn't throw the flag. And, and there is, I, I'm sure these guys are told in the NFL to protect the quarterback at all costs. Yet every single week, like it's, there's one thing, like it's pretty clear, right? No, I don't think anyone complains when you hit a guy under the knee, even if he barely hits him. You're like, well, that's the Tom Brady rule, right? Right. The, the Tom, I would say the Tom Brady rule and the tuck rule has been pretty, like people kind of get that now. But there was maybe it was Mac Jones. There was a moment on Sunday when a guy was shoved late, and it was just this is everyone's agrees protect the quarterback, but you got to let the guy like shove him to the ground at right after he throws. It, I it's the, it's see, the inconsistencies of a lot of these things. I agree with you, but I'll, like in college basketball, less things are there's less there's going to be less recruiting violations. Because they change the rules to make their less recruiting violations. If you want less uh, less people cited for marijuana possession, then you make marijuana legal. And guess what? You're going to have less people cited for marijuana possession. If you want the referees to stop calling what we think are cheap fouls on quarterback hits, then the NFL needs to change the rules. But Yeah, they're not like, going to. Like no one wanted to hear John Perry, the um, Monday Night Football referee expert, former ref last night, Monday Night Football, when he said Tony Carrenti threw the flag correctly based on the way we're taught to handle a player kind of going towards the other sideline, but no one wanted to hear it. Well, if the NFL wants to change its taunting rules, cause people hate all these bullshit taunts, which I'm with you. Like some of the, like even the Josh Norman, I killed Josh Norman for it. It's like, was getting in another player's face. Is that really worth a taunting penalty? I same, agree. I, honestly, same with cliff. Like these guys can't yell at each other. This is the yeah. A hundred percent. But, but they keep getting called. Why? Cause that's the way the NFL wants it called. It's the way Mike Tomlin wants it called. Don't forget. Like Cassius Marsh to me doesn't get to be totally indignant here. All of his other teammates were already back on the other sideline while he was walking towards the other team sideline. He right? made the sack. This is he made the sack, but all of his teammates were going the other way. Okay. So is it bullshit if you get a ticket for going 48 in a 45? It is. But if you've already seen a bunch of other people get tickets for going 48 in a 45 on that same corner and you get one, you got to be kind of mad at yourself too. So this is Cassius Marsh, remember, the guy that ripped the Patriots after he graced them with his presence for nine games in 2017. You remember that? He said they don't have fun there and they don't know how to use them, which is like basically the opposite of Belichick's track record with defensive players, right? He doesn't know how to use them. 
But this is this is where like the radicals on Twitter would tell you like, you know, when a criminal gets in trouble and you're like, talk about his criminal past, like the cop didn't know he had a criminal past. Like, but I'm not. But that's nothing to do with Tony Carrenti. I'm just saying. Like, this is the guy that criticized Bill Belichick and the Patriots for not knowing how to use him on their way I'm to the Super pro, Bowl. I'm not pro Cassius Marsh. No, my point is... L- is lucky Sack, what, too. The Roethlisberger, and he, he was he was getting driven like he was the other side. It was, he's not what... In the hip check, he's 100% innocent. But in the penalty, he's not 100% innocent, okay? Like you said, you just came off the practice squad. Bro, make the tackle, go to your sideline. Get out of there. Big moment. Like, have you been watching... Huge moment. Have you been watching football this year? Why even put yourself in that position? Why put the referee in that position? Go to the sideline. That's what I, if I were his position coach, that's what I'd say. It's like, why do you give this guy the chance to throw the flag on you? All your other teammates were on the sideline. They were all running that way. Roquan Smith hit you on the head, and then he turned around and ran the other way. So what are you doing? He's celebrating. Go, you already, how many celebrations does he get? He already did a roundhouse kick. I wish, did another, I wish you did another. I wish another roundhouse kick. The the Steelers punter is just fat. I love that guy's look. He is a Where's fat, chubby guy. What's, what's I, I don't know much about him, but I uh, I I just like his look. Just I love a guy, a kicker, a punter with just a legit belly. You know, because even when we were around Seabass, the belly didn't exist anymore. Like he was he was in good shape. This guy looks like. Yeah, he's drinking beers and you know eating onion rings, which I just appreciate. He's got a he has a fantastic look, just just chubby, you know. Just a and there's a difference between like O line chubby. They get to be a little chubby. This guy punter, it's like what's he really doing all week? What if I told you that was actually Percy Harvin? Uh, I I uh, feel like that'd be a bigger story. Yeah, it's Presley Presley Harvin the third from Cousins, uh, seventh round pick out of Georgia Tech, six foot two fifty five. So he's a smart guy. ButcherBox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham, and you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code ham50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks. America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38.5 right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four 
correct picks. I love it. It's Download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacation's coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, all right, John. The Raiders cut. The uh, the Raiders cut um, Damon Arnett. So both their uh, 2020 first-rounders are Gonzo. Is this and bad three, for... Well, I think three of their first four picks, right? Because then they had th- two third-round picks, and Lynn Bowden was traded before yeah. even... They Brian made Edwards the is season. the other one. Yeah. Is this bad news for the future of uh, Mike Mayock, Raider GM, uh, permanently? Yeah, I mean, I here here's the one thing I heard, and I saw Jerry McDonald tweet this. 
that, listen, John was the boss the entire time Mike was here, but Mike did influence picks. And for example, I heard Mike Mack loved Alex Leatherwood. So Mike would push, obviously Gruden would have to like him too to pull the trigger. But though Damon Arnett, and Mike said this yesterday, I was a big fan of Damon Arnett. Yeah. And so this one was on me. Now, ultimately, John had to sign off. But the Henry Ruggs pick, I don't think there's any way to know that was coming, but the result's the result. He's going to be in prison, I mean, for a long period of time. This one, I was told the moment after the pick happened, because I remember we were both a little stunned. It's like, who? What? You know, I, I felt a most, little bit. Most of the draft people were stunned. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. And the thing that I had heard is like, you know, the way NFL people, shithead, drunk, bad guy, off our draft board. And may I kind of admitted that, like we thought we could change him. That's the thing with with rugs. There, he was a high. He was viewed as a high character guy coming out. There was no changing him. It was just, yeah. Is the football pick make sense? The Arnett thing was a complete stretch, and the visual of him with like a, remember like the game Doom when you just have the guns and you could. Change I do remember the gun? that game. That, that's what I played it on my PC. Yeah, his gun. I mean, I've never. Even seen, what the hell has he got there? Oh no, that was Wolfenstein 3D. That was that was a game I played on my PC. And then some of the stories about the rental cars. I mean, the guy was just a train wreck human being. He apparently crashed four rental cars. Train wreck human. Do being. you think four different rental companies, or kept going back to the same rental company? And they're like, "Would you like the insurance?" He'd be like, "Nah." They'd be like, "You sure?" Maybe I'm a better person than most. When I get a rental car, I always felt like I treated them just like I would my car. I'm not like. Oh, if that's true, then you are a better person than most because, uh, you know, you can buy rental cars secondhand, like used from Enterprise. And they say those cars, like if they got 30,000 miles on them, they actually have like 55 because people drive rental cars hard. I I know. I'm just saying I just I just drive like I drive. You know, it's like I eat like I eat. I talk like I talk. I don't, you know, I'm not like more likely to like try to take this thing off like a curb. Like are you, you drive a rental car differently than you just drive. Don't you just drive like you drive? I don't really think about it. I'm just saying I've always heard that you got to be careful. No, I agree. That mo- my point is yeah. people treat them like shit. I just – don't you just drive like you drive? That's what I – people Hit like change their driving bumps. habits. Bam. Yeah. I, but I might do that in my own car. You know, really hit put pedal to the metal, accelerate, stress the system. This guy's just – you know, they had a moment and an opportunity to really change their team those two years, right, with the multiple first-round picks. And I think you look back and you go, it didn't really materialize, right? Like ultimately, John Abram's fine, but you know Jacobs is a really good player, but he's always hurt. Farrell, I mean, I don't you don't even notice him. Farrell couldn't hold. Farrell, Max Crosby's worst day. Cleveland can't hold his jock, so that's a disastrous pick, especially when you factor in the next pick was like a high character, can't miss star middle linebacker, and it was an easy one. Just take. Uh, what's his name? Devin White, who the Bucks gladly took. That one was such a BP fastball. I understand, like the rugs. The rugs is a tough pick. Like you could have picked like four different guys there. Arnett. I'm sure we could look back. There was a ton of different options. It gets harder once you're in the teens, but they. It's a disastrous situation. It, it really is to miss to have to cut two first rounders, and it's not like well you picked them the 32nd pick. I mean these guys were top 20 picks. Neither of them made hell. Even Lynn Bowden to trade it that was a joke. It's like what are you guys doing? It was like I, I see this a lot. Like what is their process? Most teams' processes are 
interviewing the guy, getting the whatever it is. Like to me, it's the evaluation on Arnett wasn't even close. Like he, people didn't think he was t- that talented, and then you factor in like the drinking issues and just the maturity issues. Like in what world do you think this guy would go top 20? At least Leatherwood say what you want about him. Started left tackle, right tackle, played at Alabama, like was six, four. I mean, has all the physical gifts, like a little bit of a stretch, but like, I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Damon Arnett's been benched as a player, not to mention had to get cut because he's unreliable as a person. I actually was impressed last year. I remember me and you. Yeah, when broke he was tough. And played tough. I, you know, these are questions that I don't know. Somebody, uh, Connor Orr at SI, wrote a piece about how the league needs to basically put somebody on the Raiders to help out Mark Davis, which on one hand is true. On the other hand, if you're Mark Davis, you are not going to be trusting at all of that type of situation. You're not going to just let – also be like Thomas Dimitrov. It's like, you're putting me where? Like, is that, was what, that, did, you read, did you read the article? Uh, yeah, I scanned the article. and was he that, Was that one like, of the names? Yeah, that the NFL placed Thomas Dimitrov on the Raiders. It's like, you. I'm sorry, you're going to send me on a two-year tour to where? But if you're Mark, you don't want. You're not going to accept that because you're not going to trust anybody they put there. Like he's going to want Mike Mayock to be his GM. And the question I have that I would have is, Mike, have we learned something about how we draft from these circumstances? Are we going to draft a different type of player? And you could say, yes, we're going to draft a high-character guy. And then the question is, well, at the expense of talent? Because Cleveland Froll was – it's a really hard uh, – it's it's hard to put that on paper. Like, this is who we draft. This is the type of person we draft and only this type of person. Because you end up with Solomon Thomas, but you also like, ah, oh, you know, Reuben Foster's great value. Let's try that. No one was saying that Damon Arnett was great value. But, you know, the hard thing is I don't have a great handle. I thought we would, after a few years, at least have a great handle on, like, a Mike Mayock guy. And I don't think we do. And part of that is Mike doesn't get to make all the calls, so it's hard to know. But it surprises me that Damon Arnett's a Mike Mayock guy. Yeah, I would have thought like Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, like the tough guys, but it's like he's clearly has a little Al Davis in him, you know, to sign off on a guy like him. Again, I'm talking some of the people I know in the NFL, I mean, <laughs> come from the Andy Reid tree. It's pretty open-minded. This isn't like, uh, you know, the the OKG Boise State, like you had to have two parents. Like it was, you can do whatever. But when they're like off the draft board, it's like, and and Mayock, he's being honest. He liked Damon Arnett. He is not, I I, I don't know. You're right. He's different than, and part of it, let's face it, it is way easier to just make a list for the media when you're really not accountable for anything than actually pick, when you just truly get to pick one guy around, right? Or in his case, two. But you're still like, okay, you got a list. You got 100 fucking guys on the board. It's second round. Which one do you want? Yeah. Right? It's you easy to be credit like, like you do in media. Like, I liked him too. We yeah. just chose this guy. It's like, oh, yeah, he did have this other guy number two. He had Minka right after, so he knew, you know. Yeah, you don't get to play the Danny Ainge. Like, we had Draymond Green third on our board. Like, and it's, it's easy to like, he can kind of play that, but no but, one believes him because I just see the guy he drafts. But also, like, Danny could argue, well, if we had just gotten a shot at him at the second, we understood that he was not going to get drafted in the first round of value. Damon Arnett, no, it didn't seem like was even good value at the pick that maybe you could have got him later in the, in the second round or whatever round. So do you think, obviously, I'm sure there are drafts that just all-time busts and stuff. But to lose two first rounders before the end of their second season, that's got to be the all time in the history of the league. Yeah. Although I don't put them in the same category. Do you? I know, but I'm just saying the result 
neither of them make it to the halfway point is pretty nuts, right? Of year two. Yeah. Regardless of how they got there, they got there, right? right. You you had to go, yeah, send this in the league office. We are cutting this guy, and then the next week we're cutting this guy. Like, that happened. <laughs> like, ultimately, yeah, I mean, Cleland's going to spend four years there, right? Solomon Thomas spent four years on the Niners. Like, you can spend, even if a guy clearly didn't deserve the pick, you spend four years, like, that was a whiff, but, hey, we got... I mean, Solomon played more in Cleveland, but you know what I mean. There are a lot yeah. of guys like that yep. all over the NFL that just get yep. their one contract and they stay on the team. That's normal. Hell, you can be a good player. I mean, Shane Vereen, when we were ta- when I was BSing with him, walking down the fairway, he only played his rookie contract on the Patriots, and then he became right. a free agent, and it was like, you know, the Giants just paid him more money. Bill wanted him to come back, but he wasn't like a missed pick, but he only spent the rookie contract. That's a lot of guys in the NFL, right? Only a small, like three or four core guys truly get big extensions, right? Yeah, I mean, he was a second rounder, not a first rounder, but which is a lot. But you know what, running back, you might accept four years of, out of a second rounder if they help you win a championship, especially, which is what Shane did. Um, then that's not a miss. You're right. Uh, by the way, John, better fight whichever Morris it was and the Jokic's or Darren Williams fighting Frank Gore in a four-round heavyweight bout on Showtime's pay-per-view undercard of Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury on December 18th. You have to admit the Pauls are doing big-time stuff. Like, this is this is drawing me. Will Frank Gore fight like he played football? I'm not even exactly sure what that means, but, like, very consistent, going to go to the distance, four yards at a time. In I the end, like he's you go, oh, that's one of the great fighters I've ever seen. Well, Frank is what? Probably 5'10". Darren's 6'3". But Frank's, you know, probably a solid 225, 230. It says Darren Williams here is 200 pounds, but I, he could probably balloon quick. I already like, I just think Frank Gore is He's like Frank's tougher. in better shape. Who do you, how would you not like Frank Gore in this fight? Feels yeah, like he's got to be a heavy favorite. Minus 150. Is that what he is? I mean, that's just thinking off my top of my head. How would he not be like even approaching two, minus two. Like, Darren Williams, known as kind of mentally soft and physically not the toughest guy. Frank Gore, one of, like, the toughest, most dependable players in NFL history, is going to lose a fight to an NBA player that washed out of the league when he was making a lot of money. Frank had to be dragged. Frank had to be told, like, hey, Frank, no team will sign you right now. He's like, I'll do anything. I'll be on the practice squad. He just loved it, loved ball, loved loved toting the rock. He's going to lose to this guy. How much are they making from this fight? I bet the Pauls give them, guarantees them each million bucks or something. Is this Jake or Logan? What was the tweet? Uh, this is Jake. So this is the better fighter. Okay. Logan fought uh, fought Floyd, but that was you know the joke fight. Even gotcha. though Logan wasn't that terrible. I, I like Jake more. How about the, the, fight, the fighter, Jake? Starting... Jake's the guy that knocked out what's-his-name. What's-his-name? Uh, little guy from Washington. A little... Oh, Nate Robinson. Yeah, and Tyson Fury. Like, this guy's a fighter. I mean, he prides himself as a fighter. Somebody confirmed I'm, today that the Jokic Brothers Twitter page is actually the Jokic Brothers. <laughs> they started a Twitter page. They started a Twitter just to argue which, would again, whichever Morris got in the fight. Marcus, we'll be waiting for you. Did you see right after he knocks him down, Tyler Hero's the closest, and Hero kind of beelines like one step, and then he realized. I mean, Jokic has him by you know eight inches. Uh, who knows, eighty pounds. 
and he's like doesn't even really get close to him. I, I I truly like that reminded me of our youth. Like that felt very '90s NBA. Like at any moment something could pop off. And don't forget the NBA used to do NFL numbers. Now Michael played a big role. Malice in Palace. But even before that, not like that. That was the most extreme. But just I, I never mind a good couple of huge shoves in a in a nice sure. role. Like I, I think the NBA could use a little bit more of that. Absolutely. Just an edginess and attention that let's face it, the sport lost whenever you see LeBron yesterday was sitting in the seats with Rich Paul and Kevin Hart as the game was starting in the second half. And then they're like, he moved back to the bench. Like, you think he gives a shit? The answer is no, he doesn't. No, he does not. I a buddy of mine, Ethan, lives in Denver, went to the game, was sitting, he sent me a video from like the first or second. He had very good seats. He took his eight-year-old son Eddie. And he, what he texted was that uh, he said Malice at the Palace 2.0 is not quite as cool with an eight-year-old kid next to you that you got to protect if like people are falling all around. But what he said was on the way home, the kid said to him, hearing Tyler Hero and Jimmy Bucket say the F word was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. If you got caught on camera at a Malice at the Palace type incident and you were running the opposite direction, as a I, fan? I would applaud you. Yeah, like, I would you're take You're off. a fan, you're getting out. I, I am avoiding the size of these human beings. Oh. There is no chance, especially close, spilling over. It could get weird fast. Are you willing to just take a punch for the lawsuit? That's you know that'd be the question. You know, I've I've always for the settlement. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a, to me there'd be a big difference between like is it seventy five grand or is it like six million dollars? Because if it's right, like six right. million dollars, yeah, I'd take an elbow. And is it a Jokic fist? Because I might be sipping through a straw for the next two years. Yeah, I like to eat a lot, so I mean it's. <laughs> Through the wire. Like, what would be your number to just like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you're just going to be in the mix. Am I, am I just like doing this? Am I covering my head? Well, you eventually have to like shove guys off too. I mean, just, you just, yeah, protect yourself, but it's, but you're stuck. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I feel like it's got to be at least a couple mil. Yeah. I feel like a hundred grand is not where close. I wouldn't even, I would laugh at you. Not doing it. And do I get taxed on the money? Like, so if I get, if you give yeah. me eight hundred thousand dollars, do I, I do I only see four eighty of it? You know, that'd be the other thing. At least if, if you, you give me five like, million. Hey, if I got a text right now, like, hey, tonight for a million, you can be at the bottom of an NBA fight pile. They might be swinging on you. Are you interested? Like, I just first thing goes to my head is like broken rib. That sounds like that sounds shitty. I'd have to call the accountant and be like, how do payouts work? Like, do the taxes and stuff? Like, do I keep all the money? Because if I ended up like, do I have to pay legal fees and everything? And hospital I only bills. See, yeah, do I only see twenty eight percent of it? That would. Not How be long is it. this lawsuit going to be? Is this like a year and a half? I'm going to have to fight for this cash. Well, know this: the NBA team and the players would have a lot of capital to fight, so it, they could they could tie you up in legal fees. You know, it'd be difficult. No doubt. <laughs> Did you ever watch the Malice of the Palace doc on Netflix? I didn't. Uh, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't either. I didn't. Didn't really interest me, to be honest with you. All right, uh, Lencho asked, "Where do I get this Tito's vodka?" I mean, where are you? Where I don't know. Go to your local liquor store. Go to go to your HEB or your Safeway. Somebody sent me a message that they got it somewhere abroad, and I don't know. Did they have to order it? Did they have to just go to their cask? I don't. I don't know. But it's uh, a great question. Yeah, I mean, where can't you get it? That's really the question. Everywhere. Odo Beckham cleared waivers. All right. Well, I hope he's the free line. to sign wherever he wants. So free Odell. He's free. <laughs> cool. Okay. That'll be a good story. 
That will be a good story. Did you? Did we talk? On the Seahawks. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Richard Jefferson, the the NBA towel boy that became a big deal on TikTok, that was always like making fun of different guys, and he kept ripping on Richard Jefferson. And Richard Jefferson would never respond, and he finally responded. And he said the reason he oh he's saying Richard Jefferson was the biggest asshole in his like eight years or whatever, being a towel boy, you know, locker room attendant. And Richard Jefferson basically called him out. This guy was notorious for staring at all their dicks. And he's I've like, never heard of the NBA ball boy, but I just Googled the story. And now I found it. Yeah. Just check it out in your free time. <laughs> all right. Something to watch for. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Adios. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.